0: good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I noticed that we had this kind of upbeat praise set and like it's exciting whatever and then we open up with the passage that says, you "No, know, if the ministry of death carved in stone, I was like, oh my goodness, this just got real serious here for a second. But um, yeah, if you, uh, if you open up, if you have a physical Bible or something with you, you open up that passage, keep your finger there for a second. Uh, we are going to spend the majority of our time in that passage, but I want to start out uh, a little bit in a different spot. So has anybody in here, I won't, I won't make you raise your hand or anything, but has anybody in here ever uh, felt like they just weren't sure if they were invited to something? Like you know somebody that's going, you maybe know the details about the event, you could totally show up. You know everything about it, you know what's going on. Um, you're just not sure if you specifically are allowed to be there. Uh, or if you, uh, if you were to show up, what might happen? You, you want to go, you're afraid you might miss out on something if you don't, but you're just not sure if you're supposed to be there. Uh, I remember Um, When I was in high school after my sophomore year, uh, I got an invite to a baseball camp uh, for University of Central Missouri. And they were a really good program at the time. Division II had won a couple national championships and was invited to one of their camps to kind of showcase, uh, see if maybe that would be a school that I might want to uh, go play for in a few years when I graduated. And I remember, like, showing up, and in the parking lot, I start to see all these guys that are, like, you know, juniors and seniors and bigger and stronger than me, and I'm, like, getting intimidated, and, like, am I supposed to be here? I started to feel, like, unworthy and uncomfortable and just, like, afraid that maybe I don't belong here. Like, should I really be here? Uh, And there's a story in the Old Testament, I think, that ties in some of what we're going to talk about today. Um, In in Exodus 19 and 20, uh, I'm going to paraphrase a good chunk of it here, but uh, essentially... The Israelites have been set free from captivity in Egypt, and they've been wandering and traveling, and they've found themselves at the base of this mountain. And they come to this mountain, and uh, Moses is going to go up on the mountain. He's going to talk with God a little bit, and, and God's going to tell him this. He's going to um, say that, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, this you, sh- you should tell the Israelites, um, that you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I brought you to myself. Now, I bring that up for this purpose, uh, is that I want to point out that God didn't just save the Israelites to save them, but to invite him to himself. He wanted to open up the opportunity for relationship to them, and, and this is a big deal uh, because up to this point, that, that had been a challenge. God was kind of you know there, and he uh, wanted, he had this covenant to bring them to himself, but it hadn't really taken place, and so he's not only just bringing them out of slavery, but he's inviting them to himself to have relationship with him, and as the story goes on, Moses is going to go down, and the Israelites are good with this agreement that yep, that's going to be our God, and we're going to serve him, and that's all good, and uh, so So God's going to tell Moses, hey, uh, get ready for the next couple of days. Get yourselves ready. Do all the ritual things that you have to do to uh, clean yourself and all that. And and be ready because on the third day, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with the nation of Israel. I'm going to come down and I'm going to be with you. Um, And in verse 13 of chapter 19, it says this, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come. Up to the mountain and sure enough uh, as the story goes on they come up they hear this blast and they come up to the mountain and they stand at the foot of the mountain and uh, there's this smoke and thunder and lightning and everything and God shows up at the top of the mountain. Now here's why I bring again this all up in addition to seeing that God wants to be with his people not just to save them but to be with them is that there's a little bit of a debate about what's happening in this story. Uh, Some scholars will say that the Israelites did the right thing, staying at the very bottom of the mountain, even though that God was at the top. That There's kind of this separation between them because they're not worthy of being in his presence. Maybe they weren't sure if they were fully invited to go up the mountain to be with God. But at the same time, and in most of your translations, you'll see kind of up to the mountain. That'll be what it says. However... This verb that's used in verse 13 that says, when I read this, this is out of the ESV, uh, they shall come up to the mountain. It's, it's literally actually to ascend the mountain, to come up on the mountain. Now, again, where did God show up? At the top of the mountain. And so the invitation, at least from my perspective, and some, uh, and, 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 you know, some scholars would agree with this, um, is that they missed the opportunity. They missed the opportunity to, to, to actually ascend the mountain, to be with God, because he didn't just want to save them, but to be with them in his presence. Now, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, whether you believe that, you know, this is an opportunity that they missed, or that they weren't actually invited up to the top, doesn't truly matter. Because the point for us today, and what will really drive this message home uh, as we go, is that we today are invited. And I don't want us to miss the opportunity to go and be in the presence of God. The reality, whether it's in one interpretation of that story or not, we are invited and we have the opportunity to go and be with God and to be in his presence. I want to pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump into kind of more what our text uh, for today says. God, I just pray that you would, uh, that you would speak to us today, uh, that you would remove anything in my notes or anything that uh, comes to my mind that would be just my own wisdom or anything, that, that you uh, would just be here and be present, God, that you would open our hearts as your word says, that the veil would be removed, that we'd be able to see the truth, and that you would just uh, encourage us this morning, inspire us to uh, come into your presence and let us know that we are free to do so and to uh, enjoy that uh, and and just to get the most out of it. So we love you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Let's jump back into this passage that John read for us. So it starts up uh, again like this. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Now there's a lot of glory going on here, right? It picked up on that, right? Uh, it's everywhere, it's repeated, it's easy to, get fall, to fall into the trap of what's happening here? Tablets and stones and glory, like what's going on? So essentially what's this, what this is talking about is the difference between what was offered to the Israelites through The commandments that Moses was given, the the Ten Commandments and continued law, that they would be able to relate to God in a way through being this holy nation that was set apart. And the way that they did that was through following all these rules and trying to be holy and perfect and be God's representatives and reflect this glory that he's talking about. When it says glory, that word so it literally translates more like weight. It's the, it's the presence of God. It's all of the attributes of God kind of wrapped into one. It's meant to show, talk about God's goodness and his righteousness and his holiness and, and all of these things that were just supposed to be reflected and shown through the perfect, the perfect obedience through the law. Now, as we know, that didn't really happen, right? Perfect obedience is not happened forever. Uh, we've failed, uh, humanity has failed, and uh, what we see here, and what Paul's talking about, the difference of the glory, is that there's this new opportunity for us to relate to God through the Spirit, that when we put our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice that we receive to now relate to God in a different way, that he has been perfect, and so that we don't have to be under the law. Does that make sense, you tracking with that? So now there's this opportunity for us to have relationship with God that's not through uh, perfect obedience, but because of the perfect obedience of Christ, and we get to live in freedom. Now, uh, I want to point some things out to you why this matters, why I think it's important that Paul points this out. Number one is that the law could only condemn us to death. Its purpose is only to show us where we did wrong. Any, Any rule followers in here? I know there's a few of you out there. I'm not one of you, but I appreciate all of you. Here's the thing. You might see this differently than I do, but when I see rules, I see where I've gone wrong. And so I avoid rules. If, I, if there's no rule, then I don't you know, have to you know, break it, right? You might see rules as being important and structured and great and all that, and that's fine for you. Uh, but, the, but the reality is, is that rules only show us where we've gone wrong. They show us where we can go right, but for the most part, it's about, you know, did you break them? Um, at least from my perspective. But Jesus, and the Spirit, this other uh, opportunity offers forgiveness and life. See, where the law separated people from God, said, you're not worthy of God's presence and God is holy and perfect over here, Jesus invites us into the presence of God. He invites us into a greater relationship with God. Where the law was temporary, where uh, the original, uh, this this ministry of death carved on stones was temporary, Jesus is eternal. And so we see that there's just this far greater experience that we have today in relating with God through the Spirit, through Christ, than there was through the law and through this attempt at perfect obedience. Right? but i think it's imp- i think this is important too that we realize that the law truly was glorious what when, when paul says that there's this uh, the glory of the law like was real it, it was for the first time i kind of mentioned the story there's a system in place where people could relate to god and they could be his chosen people like they would be known as god's people if they followed these laws that's a big deal like, we, we today, we bear the image of God, and that's, that's huge. And part of that was, for the Israelites, was that there was this law put in place that they could say, yeah, we're, we're God's people, okay? You guys are, you know, you relate to this other God, or you have this other system, or you have this king, or whatever. We are marked by being the people of God, which is, there's a lot of glory that goes with that. They are set apart as his chosen people. It's a huge deal. Paul's just making the point that the invitation from Jesus is so much more glorious. Now, uh, I relate to this in this way. So um, when I was growing up, uh, cell phones like middle school-ish were when cell phones were kind of becoming like really popular, right? And you were not cool unless you had this particular cell phone. I'll go to the next slide. Anybody remember this? This is a razor cell phone. It's by. Uh, Motorola, Motorola. That's that's it. And I had two of these. One was maroon, and the other one was silver. And I tell you what, sometimes I miss those days. Uh, that thing just flip it right out, like it was it was awesome. Uh, but it was you know like there was it was a glorious cell phone to have that until the iPhone came out, right? And then. Wait! I can listen to music and use this as a cell phone at the same time. There's one device to do all of these jobs. Oh, don't don't even tempt me by having a little lighter that I can flip open and you know turn on as the original apps. You know, lightsaber maybe if you're into that kind of thing. Um, the the glory of the iPhone far surpassed the glory of the razor. The razor was cool. It had its glory. It had its day. But the iPhone far surpassed. That's uh, my silly way of illustrating how the glory of our opportunity to have relationship with Jesus, or to God, through Jesus, is far superior in glory to the opportunity to relate to God through just the law. And so the point that we come to today as we talk, because the, the major point that I want to make is uh, all about how in God's presence we are transformed, that this new opportunity to be with God offers us the opportunity to be transformed. And this is, uh, if, you're, if you like to take notes, Jesus made the way for us to be transformed. Jesus made the way for us to be transformed. It's a different way of relating to God. I, in the law, you had to have this obedience. There had to be, it's a, it's a lesser version of what Jesus offers for us today. And so Jesus made the way for us to be transformed. Now, if we think back to the story in Exodus that I opened with, we see in Exodus 20, as the people are uh, experiencing God or seeing God, this is, this is their response in uh, verses 18 through 21 of Exodus 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. See, the law of the covenant of of death that's mentioned here by Paul created fear and separation from God, but ultimately this new covenant offers us an invitation into God's presence, but not just to be in his presence, but be transformed in his presence. Let's continue on in our 2 Corinthians passage here, uh, starting in verse 12. Since we have such a hope, since we have this hope, this far greater, far more glorious opportunity to relate to God through relationship with Jesus, then we should be very bold. We are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome. Uh, what was being brought to an end see when uh, moses spent time with god and received the commandments and he comes down the mountain his face is like shining and he's like shimmering and everyone's kind of freaked out by it and he ends up putting a veil over it so he can not freak them out and so so what paul's saying here we we don't hide the glory that we experience in god's presence we don't need to put a veil over us but their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Uh, one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter is because there were some people that were uh, in Corinth that were trying to convince the Corinthian church that actually they needed to still obey and be like perfectly obedient to the laws that were written in the Ten Commandments, and, and through the old way of relating to God. And so Paul's addressing that here. He's saying, look, there are still some to this day that even when these laws are read, they believe that this is the only way to God. They have missed the opportunity to experience the greater glory in relationship with Jesus. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Here's the idea of being transformed in the presence of God. You're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the, spi- from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I want to highlight a couple things again. So Moses' outer appearance, again, as he's coming down the mountain, is temporarily transformed. We have the opportunity to be eternally, internally transformed. There's a greater version there. The Israelites acted out of fear. They didn't want to come into the presence of God for fear that they might die. We are invited, like, warmly, welcomely into... Is that a word? Wel- welcomely? I don't... Ma- anyway... Um we are welcomed into the presence of God. We can boldly go into the presence of God and experience Him. There's no veil between us and God. That veil has been lifted. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. But as I was reading this and thinking about this, have you ever felt like the veil might still be there? Have you ever had those moments like, I just don't feel like I'm... Connected, Like there's a, a gap between us. There's just something in between me and God that I don't feel like I can be in his presence the way maybe other times I have or uh, that I think that I should be able to. And, and I'm wondering, like, like, why is that? Why do we feel that sometimes? And may maybe this is a question that I would encourage you to ask yourself when you're in those times. Like, what does this, this veil that I feel say about what I believe about God? What does this say about what I believe about God? Because ultimately, God is inviting you into His presence. So if there's something that is separating that, something that feels off about that, something, I think it says something about what we are in that moment believing about God, a lie that we believe to be true about God, that He either doesn't want to spend time with us, or that He's not willing to speak with us, or whatever it may be. Because here's the reality, and it says it in this passage, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. We have freedom, whatever is holding us back from going into the presence of the Lord, not standing at the base of the mountain, trembling like the Israelites were. We have freedom to go into the presence of God. We are free from fear, free from condemnation, free from failure, free from whatever may be holding us back from experiencing the love of God, the presence of God that would transform us. It's time for us to live in that freedom and to be in His presence, experiencing This transformation that's available to us, to go up the mountain and be transformed in his presence. So here's the the point here, is that in the presence of God we are transformed. Jesus made a way for us to come into this presence regularly, boldly, and in that presence we are transformed. You might be asking, what are we transformed into? It says in the passage that we are, from one degree of glory to the next, being transformed into the image of the Lord. Into the opportunity to reflect his glory, that glory that includes his honor and his love and his mercy and his goodness. It's a shining example to the world of, "This is my God, and this is what He does for me. He loves me. He has given me mercy and goodness and graciousness. But it doesn't happen all at once. Like we live in a microwave society. I can just throw it in. Have it happen now. I need it in 10 seconds. You know Let's, let's do that. Sometimes we'd really like for our uh, discipleship, our growth, our transformation in the Lord to happen in 10 seconds or less, right? Can I just snap my fingers and not struggle with this anymore? Can I just not have this fear anymore? Can I just trust that God is always going to provide in every situation? I've been doing this for 20 years, God. How am I still struggling to believe that you're good no matter what? It's one degree at a time. Um... So I use uh, you know the example of being a microwave culture. When I first bought uh, when we first bought our house, uh, I convinced Sarah to let me get a smoker. Uh, it was like a hand in hand deal. So we're going to get this house, and I'm going to get a smoker. That's the deal. Is if we're not spending enough money on the house, um, but. What I realized as after watching a few videos and different things, I started to like learn about what a smoker does and all that and uh, I, I forgive me if this kind of grosses you out, but so there's this idea that like if you heat something like uh, at a lower temperature for longer, it starts to break down like connective tissue and like collagen and like fat parts that they're not just like, you know, hold the meat together, make it tough and chewy, but it becomes soft and like uh, juicy and, and glorious to be honest. But um, but the problem with that is that it takes time. You have to do it at a low temperature to where you don't you know, burn it out and after an, uh, over a long period of time to where it heats up and melts away. You can't microwave and make that happen. When we microwave things, what do they do? They dry out, right? You lose the goodness that's in there. It's, it's hot, it's ready, but it's not as good as if you were to do it slower. It's about the process and we... Um, You know, I don't know why God necessarily made it this way, but I know that when I think about that analogy, the the slower process seals in good stuff. It doesn't zap it out instantly. Um, And so uh, why do we, why is this a big deal? Why does it matter that I have this, you know, slow process of spending time with God and being transformed? Well, uh, I have one more passage for us to look at, and it's in Romans chapter 12, and it's the first two verses here. They say this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, this is Paul again writing to the church in Rome, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what is Paul saying here in this beginning? I appeal to you. He's saying, I urge you, to present yourself to God because of His mercy, because the mercy that's been given to you by the opportunity to come into my presence, by the sacrifice of Jesus, that we would have this mercy of God upon us, that we can uh, spend time with Him and be transformed, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's another way of saying that, that you would present your body for transformation. You would present yourself available to me to be shaped and molded, into what I am calling you to do, and that is your worship. That you would not be conformed by this world, but by be transformed in the presence of God. That you will be changed by what, um, by, by, by surrounding yourself by God. Now, um, you probably heard this idea before, but we become like the, I think it's the five closest people that we spend time with or something like that. Like we begin to transform. If you, uh, I don't know about you, my mom always made this a really big deal. Like, we, like who your friends are is who you're going to become. She wanted me to know, like, you need to pick your friends wisely, essentially, because whether you try to or not, you become like them. The, the uh, experiences that you have, the people that you surround yourself with, the ideas that you see. Uh, if you're on social media, I just want to, you know, if you're not aware of this, I just want to break some news to you. That is curated to what the social media that you are using, the platform that you're using, thinks you want to see. And so you're not getting the, vi- the, like, the whole breadth of what's out there. You're getting what the algorithm wants you to see. Kind of feels like they're telling you what to think a little bit, right? In a way, like, we are changed by what we surround ourselves with, either through people, ideas, experiences, things like that. And so uh, what is currently changing you? What is currently changing you? What are you surrounding yourself with that influences your thoughts, ideas, way of life? Are you being conformed, or are you being transformed? Now, uh, another illustration for this. Uh, is anybody in here, I'm sure you are familiar with uh, what a transformer is? Not the like electric box thing. Uh, I'm talking about the, the robots in disguise, that version, like this? Yes. Uh, if you're not familiar, that's what it is. So uh, as you can see, big robot weapons, all that on the top. Uh, th- Pretty crazy, but it changes into something that is normal that you would see every day, right? And so, what happens when the transformers? They're this alien. I'm gonna butcher this. So, if you're like a big transformer fan, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like offend you. Uh, But my experience of the movies, anyway, uh, is that alien life force comes to Earth, finds something that's normal, that is something that they can uh, conform to, that isn't going to uh, give away who they are, or that they're this kind of secret. robot that is going to, uh, you know, be very powerful and everything. They want to change into something that is normal and that you would see and not be, uh, you know, put off by. And so they come into the world and they're a car or a plane or something just to blend in, but they have this underlying transformation that's waiting to happen into something much greater. And I bring this up because I think, like, I think, wouldn't it be weird if they never changed out of their original form? Or not the original form, but what they changed into? So say they come to Earth. Uh, Optimus Prime here uh, goes into the, the big truck, and he just is a semi-driver for the rest of his existence. That's not a movie. Nobody makes that movie, right? That's not cool. I, I mean, uh, it's not interesting. It's not. No, What's their, what are they here for? To save the world. Right? Like they are here because there are evil versions of them that are coming to take over the planet and they are to save the world. If they never transformed, the world would be doomed and Shia LaBeouf would never get a date with Megan Fox, which in real life wouldn't happen either. But um, that's not important for us this morning. Uh, But that's the reality. And and so I I don't want to I don't want to make this sound like we somehow saved the world. But there is some truth that God's plan to save the world in some ways is to shine his glory through us, that we would be transformed in his presence and that we would reflect that glory into the world in order to create pockets of heaven here on earth that people could experience what it looks like to follow God, to know Jesus, to have mercy and goodness and love, be transparent throughout our lives. So I say all this to say that I think, one, we need to be transformed. One, we need to be transformed because that ultimately is what the world needs. In a way, we need it, and the world needs it. But also, that I, I just I, I found in myself, and this is kind of my own personal conclusion um, for this message, is that I just don't want to accept my like non-transformed version anymore. Uh, my my default, and I won't I won't make you know if you want if you relate to any of this, great. Um, but I don't want to assume that any of you are like me in this, but my default is not, if I was in my not transformed state, I I default to not um, who God has called me to be, let's say that. Uh, I can be bitter and angry, I can be very sarcastic when I, which is not helpful, it can be funny at times, but it's (laughs) certainly not great for people uh, to feel good about themselves. Um, I am selfish and I broken person without this transformation. And I need to be transformed in order to be the loving, hopeful, thoughtful, caring shepherd that God has called me to be. And not only do I need to do that for myself, but my wife needs that and my son needs that and you need that as the church that I serve. And that's not just true for me, but that's true for you as well. Your spouse, your person that you are with, your uh, friends, your family, your neighborhood, your workplaces, your church needs you to live a life of transformation so that we would all experience the glory of God on a regular basis. We see it reflected in each other. Um, I thought about that, that idea of Moses coming down on the mount- off the mountain with his face shining and how it was very awkward and weird for all the other Israelites and he had to veil it. And um, It just made me think of like, what if all of them had gone up and all of their faces were shining? That's no longer weird. Like We're all in this together right? We've all been transformed. Let's just ex- be excited and be out, point out how awesome it is that all of our faces are glowing. This is really cool, right? And, and that's the experience that I hope our church gets to experience. Hey, you've been transformed. I've been transformed. We're not weird. This isn't awkward. This isn't like, you know, we have to veil ourselves or cover ourselves up or conform or look different, but no, we're all like in this together. This is awesome. As I kind of come to a conclusion here, I want to invite the band to come up. This is is kind of just to give you a wrap of where we've been. So the new covenant offered through Jesus invites us into God's presence to be transformed. And in God's presence, we are transformed into the image of the Lord to reflect his goodness. Our families and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our church need us to live lives that are transformed so that everyone would see what is good, acceptable, and perfect for life. That's what the verse says. We have been invited to come up the mountain to be in God's presence and to be transformed. And we've been set free from anything that would hold us back. So let's go. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share this message I pray that as we sit in it today, that you would um, show your glory to us. You would remind us of your goodness and your mercy and your love and the things that you would have us share with the world, the joy and hope that is found in your presence. I pray that if anybody is in here is struggling to experience that, struggling to understand what that looks like or just doesn't spend that time with you to really experience what we're talking about, this is confusing or weird, I just pray that you would right now just invade this space and that your spirit would be felt that there would be, uh, even if they, they don't know what it is, just that it'd be like, there's something different. Like uh, your presence is just here. The spirit has come and and I get to experience that in a different way. I just pray that you would you would transform us. God, that our time with you would not be uh, lacking in fruit or that we would leave the same way, that we would just accept our default selves to continue on with our lives and not go into your presence, not take advantage of this, this invitation, but that we would go up the mountain to be with you, that we would spend time with you and be transformed. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.